0: Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical. Andy Joseph.
1: Welcome to Mission Supercritical, an exclusive radio show that highlights the extraordinary individual success stories of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thanks for joining the show. Today we have on Tom Gregory, the CEO of Dose Oil, which is based out of Seattle, Washington. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show. Welcome. Good afternoon. Yeah. uh, Well, so it's uh, I guess it is afternoon there, just barely. Um, You know, I'm in Ohio. You're in Seattle. How's the How's the weather today?
2: Well, it's another lovely Seattle winter, like 45 degrees and overcast. (laughs) So we we super. That's why we stay inside making oil on Andy's machines otherwise, <laughs> there's nothing else to do.
1: <laughs> right, right. It's just a little dreary, but uh, you know that's that is one of the challenges actually, you know, the uh, the, the humid climate of Seattle, but we'll uh, we'll talk about that here in a little bit uh a little bit later. So Tom, you know, you're you're currently the CEO of Dose Oil. Um but you didn't start out in cannabis. You haven't been in cannabis, you know, all your life or anything like that. You you had kind of an interesting uh transition. So I want to start out with kind of, you know, what what did you do before cannabis, you know, BC
2: Well, what I kind of like to tell people, one of the few virtues of being an older person is that you have memories that stretch way back. So I actually consumed this product for the very first time in 1968 when I was in college. And uh, that was my beginnings. And I've been an intermediate, casual adult use user over the years. So when I talked to some of the people, everybody under age 50, by the way, is a kid in my book. (laughs) So, when I talk to the kids, it's fun to bring that up, and their eyes like flying saucers. Really? Yeah. 50 years? Yeah. So, basically, uh, my main career has been in the high-tech industry. I've been a uh, mover and a shaker, I think, in the uh, computer and communications business. Most notably, in the 80s and early 90s, I was uh, in the facsimile business. I was the first person to put high-speed facsimile machines in South America. I wound up with a pretty good-sized business uh, operating from Los Angeles with operations in Mexico City and in Texas. And I wound up, when the machine prices went lower uh, and become less profitable, I became a fax paper converter. So with my first experience with manufacturing facilities, I built my own in Torrance, California. And I wound up exporting to some 36 countries around the world, in addition to major accounts inside the United States, like Best Buy, Circuit City, Andres, and a host of others. So that gave me some uh, uh, experience and ability to run a factory, particularly in a new area.
1: Right. And well, so, just just for you right. know for the for the youngins out here, since apparently fifty and younger is uh, is a youngin. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm going to fall into that category. I know what a fax machine is, but uh, you know, I'm not so sure that uh, the other half of the listeners who falls into the 20, or the fifty and less category might know what it is. So I know what a fax machine is, but what's a fax paper converter?
2: Well, what's really interesting is is that uh, believe it or not, there was a world before the internet. I used to write letters and put stamps on them and mail them to people, and then <laughs> then there's this thing called the telephone. It was pretty amazing that you could get a telephone. The big innovation of the 1960s from AT and T is you get a, you could get a pink one or a green one. So that was the it took sixty years to get to that point. But right. a fax machine is a machine that scans the paper and sends it to another location. And the output is, comes onto a piece of paper, and one of the more effective ways to print a graphics is thermal fax paper. And today, you still see that application at gas pumps. You see it at airports when they're doing their baggage tags, because you get it's a very reliable printing mechanism. So that paper called fax paper is basically a coated paper. So a fax paper converter, which is what I did, is I would buy containers of fax paper from the large paper mills primarily in Japan and also some in the United States, and you would take those 2,000, 3,000 pound rolls and you convert it with a slitter rewinder. So anything you receive on a roll, whether it's toilet paper, paper towels, masking tape, I don't care what kind of product it is, it is done by a converter. So uh, in my case, I was specialized in both facsimile papers and also medical chart papers, also Papers on a roll that would go through like EKG machines.
1: Okay. All right. So so converter meaning that you're basically slitting it down into, into smaller pieces that so uh, usable
2: sizes and then packing it it the machine. Nice, it. Nice. Exactly.
1: All right. All right. So you're so you're you know, you're running these uh, you know, new manufacturing company, you got some experience in sales, some experience in entrepreneur entrepreneurial ship. Um you know, successful in the in the kind of the the dot com era, um, doing not so much of the the dot com stuff, but you know the the result of the dot com. And you know you've had a lifelong friendship with a cannabis plant. What made you decide to get into you know cannabis processing and and producing?
2: Well, it was kind of interesting. I basically normally live in Florida. And one of my friends told me, you know, it looks like this marijuana stuff's going to pass in Florida. So I wasn't even paying attention. And so I talked to a a friend of a friend who turned out to have a 90-acre pepper farm in Mamakali, Florida. He was supplying uh, Whole Foods from Georgia to Florida with bell peppers, green peppers, uh, green, yellow, and red bell peppers. So he says, I'm getting $2 a pound wholesale for these peppers from Whole Foods. And he had a 10-acre greenhouse plus another 80 acres out in the Everglades. So he said, how much do these marijuana guys get for this stuff? I said, well, I think they get about $3,000 a pound. He says, what do you think we ought to do? I said, well, I think we ought to flip the whole thing. Right. <laughs> so, right. so we started looking at the processing side, you know, usable products besides the, uh, the flour. You know, in our state, it's known as the flour, which is a smokable plant, the way most people think of cannabis. But there is this newly emerging world of concentrates. So I took a look at that and kind of liked the whole concept of it, the fact that you could take the essence of the plan and not have the destructive or negative effects of smoking a plant material. So that's how we, so we basically came up ready to go. We had a major facility in place. And then in November of 2014, uh, the fans in Florida voted 58% to approve it, but we needed 60%. It right. so didn't pass. But so that sent me so, on my trail to Colorado and Washington. That's why I'm here okay. in Washington.
1: So you're so you're in Florida. So you you you're geared up this facility that uh, used to make peppers, and you know, going to make you know, tenfold or maybe a hundredfold, uh, you know, kind of profits. And, and Florida failed you um, with with a you know overall approval rating, but uh, not high enough because their constitutional amendment requires sixty percent uh, approval as opposed to fifty percent. Like some other states, so you, you said you went to Colorado first and then Washington second. Why why that transition? I wanted
2: to check the two legal states at the time. This would be uh, late 2014, and uh, Colorado looked more mature to me. And basically, Colorado is Metro Denver and then the ski resorts. So it's a kind of a uh, you know a, a good market, but it's also by itself in the middle of the United States. Where in contrast, Washington. Was a younger market, more formative, and plus you're in the major West Coast of you know Oregon, Canada, Washington, California, so it seemed to be a more attractive place to operate. So that's why
1: we chose uh, Washington, right? So Pacific Northwest, uh, you know, uh, and so you you set up in Seattle specifically, and um, in, in there we're just kind of the epicenter of, of the Pacific Northwest for cannabis uh, when it comes anyway, and and you know kind of go on the you were there at the the very early stages. Um, you know how was, how was it getting into Seattle and, and getting a processing license uh, in, in Seattle? Was it difficult? That
2: was actually pretty difficult because the, this state had a lotto system effectively as, you, as they started what's called the I-502 business. So you basically sent out a $250 application, and you could pick, be a grower, you could be a processor, you could have a retail store. And the state took all these applications in some kind of mysterious lotto-type fashion, passed them out. So there was a constellation or a set of existing licenses with a closed window. So anybody new to this market would have to go in there and buy an existing or assume an existing license. So that process took us a year and a half. It was kind okay. of and, difficult.
1: And you went, you went just processing. You never explored cultivation or, or dispensary or anything like that. Right.
2: We had, we had thought about growing. That was actually part of our initial concept. But it, oddly enough, in this state of Washington, they have a cap at the size of the farm at 30,000 square feet. And there was quite a few licenses. So even today, there's 1,400 farms and roughly 400 retail stores. So when you have that many growing, why be number 1,401? <laughs> and that's right. and Also, there's a lot of supply. We're oversupplied right now with prices falling in the wholesale market. So right, it wasn't right. attractive for us to be a grower in this state.
1: Yeah, and that you know the 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 commoditization is a, is an interesting topic. You know, we're we're seeing it. I think it's caught catching a lot of people by surprise. You know, it, everybody knew it was going to happen. I just don't know if anybody knew how quickly it was going to happen. And you know, with fourteen hundred licenses, I, you know, I don't know what the math is up in my head, but fourteen hundred times thirty thousand square feet, that's a lot of weed and right. you know i guess that puts you in a pretty enviable position as a processor um, of you know watching all the price depression happen on the flour and the plant material side are you seeing similar price depression on the the processed goods you know the oils
2: well that's what's interesting because our our wholesale price back to our retail stores actually remained constant Because we are truly, when you do concentrated products like we do, it's actually complex enough that you really have a value add. Is it a good product? Is it consistent? Do you deliver correctly? Do you do business correctly? So you can maintain your margins because if you want, we have price pressures coming in from retailers. But the the bottom line is if you want a dose product, we have a reputation. We have customers that buy our product. And they are also, they're, pulling, you know, they're forcing that retailer to, to, to purchase those. And again, oddly enough, you make a percentage of the sale. So if you want to buy something for half the normal price, you make half the price in profit. So it's not overly advantageous to the store to buy something really inexpensive, unless he can maintain a large markup.
1: Right. So that's right. why
2: it's a kind of an interesting dynamic that's happening right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, I want and it's you know it's good to be in the extraction business apparently in Washington. So, uh,
3: yeah. all right,
1: so Tom, real quick, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, I want to talk more about you know commoditization but i also want to talk about the technology that you guys are using obviously we've got apex supercritical co2 systems but want to talk about some of the the other stuff you know the secondary right. processing and where you've been able to find some success so uh, right. hold on for just a minute we'll take a break
0: we'll regroup for more mission supercritical after we hear from our sponsors
3: the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap you know. Money don't make itself.
1: Hemp Inc.
3: The Stoner Jesus Show. Look for his live video show on Facebook Live at Facebook.com slash Jesus 420 or catch the show on demand only on CannabisRadio.com. Stoner
1: Jesus.
3: Time to extract more knowledge on Mission
0: Supercritical only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Again, we've got Tom Gregory CEO of Dose Oil, Seattle, Washington. So Tom, you know, you start out in, in the dot-com era. You know, us, us young whippersnappers, you know, 50 and below, um, you know, didn't get the opportunity to watch it, participate. But you know, you had a whole other career and in, uh, in in technology. And, and then one day, sounds like about 2013, 14, you decide to get into the cannabis industry. So you're you're in Seattle, Washington, um, and you get started up. So you know, back in the in those quote-unquote earlier days, 13, 14, 15 kind of kind of days. Uh, you know, extraction started out with basically a CO2 extractor, and uh, today's a little different. Tell me, tell me how the transitions happen and what kind of stuff you guys are doing.
2: Well, it was kind of interesting when I first started looking at this uh, industry, the, the word supercritical CO2 came up. I didn't know what it was. Well, there was this really cool thing called the internet. So I started looking on the net and determining what that process and what it meant. And that's why, again, we elected that technology because it's a clean process and it has a lot of benefits on the backside. So technology speaking, uh, what we do is we basically, we have two of the Apex machines, which are very attractive to us because they are sophisticated and they can run with operator, uh, without very minimal operator intervention. And that's actually kind of key because it's still an artisanal kind of business. It's a very batch oriented business. So you want to take out as many variables as you can. So if you have Captain Nemo, who's really a spectacular guy running a great operation, a more manually oriented machine, but if you leave your company, you're screwed. <laughs> and plus, you're looking for consistency of output. So we actually have developed the parameters to get the first level of material consistently out of the machine. But then after that, you go into what's called the post-processing world, where you take that output from the machine and you start to further refine it into more usable products. And some of the techniques we use is decarboxylation. That's a pretty long word. That word means that you basically activate the cannabis. When you smoke cannabis, you actually are you are combusting it, so it activates the THC, so you feel the psychoactive effects. If you don't right. do that, you're not going to feel it.
1: Right. So right. Effect- right. All well, right. So, so, hold on For, before we get too too uh, sciencey here. I want to talk about Captain Nemo a little bit more. Okay. Right. So, we, so you got Captain Nemo running a manual piece of equipment, and you know Captain Nemo probably referred to himself as an artisan. Right. right. Or or an extract artist or something like that. But, you know, I think a lot of people would think that that's a good thing. Right. You got this guy that's that's really creative and that kind of stuff. Why? Why is that a problem for you guys?
2: Well, when you're trying to run a business, you know, and if you have key people, maybe he's maybe he's the owner. So that's not a problem. But if something happens to him and or he decides to leave or he, whatever happens, you know, you're now up the creek without the famous paddle. So yeah. it's a matter of uh, business sense is that you, you try to keep one of your key elements that can be reproduced if necessary, which is the, you know,
1: that personnel. So, so the automation basically removes the, the you know, intellectual property from or moves it, doesn't remove it, but moves it, moves the intellectual property from the operator into the, you know, the control platform of the system. So the operator doesn't necessarily take it with them. When he, uh, right. when was and there's it. also
2: a major labor component here, too, just in dollars per hour. When we start an Apex machine, we run it for 10, 12 hours unattended. That's a very different environment from running machines that have little valves and you're fooling with them all the time and looking at parameters. That's a real complex world. And right. that's so just in dollars per hour, there's a savings. Okay.
1: All right, so so then so you know we talked about the the post processing so the, the oil comes out of your CO2 extraction systems and you know now we got to do some kind of post processing. So first you decarb. How do you do your decarb process? Do you, do you typically half uh, plate stirring rod or, or put it into an oven? What's your what We bake
2: you the, the material prior to running the extraction into a regular oven and we run it at XYZ temperature to activate it. So it's okay, that so you're
1: you're 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 baking the material prior to extraction. Right. Or we're decarbing. We're,
2: Carving on the what's called decarbing on the front end, and sometimes we do a little bit more decarbing on the back end, but we do it on the front end for several. One of the reasons is you want to have dry material going into CO2 machines. CO2 and water forms carbolic acid, which is not not good. <laughs> so, so that's yeah. why you want fairly dry material. Sometimes the, the cannabis coming into us is not overly dry; it might have five percent plus moisture.
1: Right, definitely a problem with uh, the, you know the Seattle climate being uh, right. super moist all the time so so you, you, you bake the material prior to the extraction process and and you know um, most people maybe may know it some may not but uh, you know the, the decarbing process that activates it drives off the moisture and the extraction system loves it right I, I think uh, what, right. What, what kind of yield increases do you see on decarb material yeah, versus non decarb?
2: probably at two to three percent I'm not quite you know accurate because I haven't been that close to some of those those intermediate numbers. But yes, it does help the extraction process. And again, it's one material inside that machine.
1: Yep, yep. So you get a get a higher yield. and You're going to gain a couple of points. Uh, it can also right. be translated to a faster extraction. Um, right. But then, so so after you uh, you get the material out, and you know you're ready to, to go into it. What's your next process?
2: Well, at that point, we uh, mix the, the uh, output with ethanol, 200 proof alcohol, and and we freeze that in a cryogenic freezer for uh, overnight. And what that does is it merges the fats and lipids into that solution. It's basically starting to separate it. So once we uh, achieve that, we take that uh, output and we run it through filtration. We have several different types of filtration materials uh, depending on what we see in the output and depending on the strain, the batch, or whatever. So after you do all of that and filter it, you now put it into something called a roto evaporator to take the alcohol back out. Yep. And now you're close to finished product,
1: right? Okay, so 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 we're winterizing, and and uh, you know winterization is obviously you know removing the fats and waxes, which is good for the vaporizing pens, right? Which you right. guys it's one of the your guys,
2: pen pen. right?
1: Right, right, exactly. Okay, so but you know you, you mentioned filtering there. Um, you know the, the filtering process is that mechanical filtering? You guys, uh, you guys? Yeah, we have a or couple, uh, any? Some,
2: There's some very uh, there's some custom machine. It's basically, they look. there's something called a Buchner funnel. There's another one that we found that is stainless steel. So basically, you have the, 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 that material that came out of the freezer put into the, a vessel. And then with the vacuum pumps, you're pulling it through. Vacuum pumps pull it through the filters. It's not right. just a passive filter. So right. the vacuum it, pump pulls it through that filter.
1: Yeah, and any uh, any experimentation or any use of you know the the carbon filtration methods to through right, we use activated charcoal. There's a lot of a lot of different
2: chemistries out there that we can use depending on what we see. We might have two or three mediums, and we might make two or three passes. Sometimes sometimes we'll make a pass and then put it back in the freezer overnight. So there's a lot of this is where the artisanal experience of the operators do come into play, and we right. have some people that are very experienced in this world.
1: Right, right. So you're so you're doing doing your your filtration process. And that's mostly just color, right? I mean, it's not right. like you're necessarily trying to do anything with the cannabinoids. That's that's all about color. We're taking out
2: chlorophyll it. and some other parts of the plant you don't want. So yeah, so we right. try to maintain as much terps and carbonoids cannabinoids as we can. But that's part of what we do to make it a smoother okay. product.
1: Right, right. So now, so now you've got this nice, uh, you know, winterized product free of wax and f- waxes and waxes and fats. <laughs> wow, can't say that. Waxes and fats. And uh, and now, so you guys at Dose, you typically sell what you know. A lot of people refer to that as kind of a whole plant extract. And right. you know, how do you guys, how do you guys, you know, after that thermal process of rotary evaporation, how do you guys maintain the, the flavor of that, that whole plant material? Well,
2: see, you're keeping it. The, the CO2 process is known as the quotes, a coal process. By not heating it up excessively throughout the process, you're not really altering the underlying characteristics of this botanical plant. When you cook things, you change the chemistry. So basically, when it comes out of this, we have what's called a full-spectrum CO2 oil, which has most of the, uh, the benefits of the smells, the taste, and the, you know, the combination of the CBDs and the THCs. Okay. Okay.
1: And then, any you know, there's a there's a lot of people that are starting to experiment with the uh, the artificial terpenes. And artificial, I mean, you know, derived from something other than cannabis. Uh, you guys, you guys have any experience with that, or we, any, you guys exper- of that? We do have a
2: short path distillation, which is the way you go to more pure THC. And we just turned on a hydrocarbon extraction system running propane. So we, uh, there's a, there's a lot of uh, I wouldn't use the word controversy, but there's a lot of Kind of Doctor Frankenstein things going on. When well, you take it all the way down to just the THC, then you add in Skittles, blueberry cheesecake, or whatever. You <laughs> right, of. right. And weirdly right. enough, you mean unfortunately or fortunately, we're in the business of if you want green shoes or blue shoes, we'll sell you both. <laughs> right.
1: And what and what do you guys find tends to be the uh, the most popular product for dose? Well, our most popular product is something
2: we call a tanker, which is a politically correct word for a one milliliter syringe. And basically, it's an activated one gram of uh, CO2 oil, full spectrum. We don't cut it with anything. Like some vendors cut it with polyethylene glycol and other instances. And this product, since it's an activated product, is very cool because you can use it in a vape pen. You can put it, you can reload your vape cart. You can uh, cook with it right out of the syringe. Uh, For medical patients that have higher tolerances and need more concentrated forms, it's a fantastic product. Uh, there's people that have you know chemotherapy uh, negative reactions. There's people with arthritis. There's all kinds of things out there. So this kind of a concentrated product that's pure is a very powerful uh, entity. So that's our lead product. Is our, what we call a tanker.
1: Tanker, it's kind of that's kind of, a, that's kind of a
2: funny. Right, correct for a right, I mean, hard right. syringes to mom and dad. Your kid's yeah. gonna be really good on a
1: syringe. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, syringes definitely have a, a negative connotation to them for sure. So, all right, Tom, we're uh, we're gonna take another quick break, and uh, when we come back, want to talk. Uh, about Washington and, and commoditization, we we hit on it a little bit earlier, but want want to dig into uh, how that's affecting you know you guys as a business and and kind of the whole Pacific Northwest. So when we come back, we'll talk about that.
0: We'll regroup for more Mission Super Critical after we hear from our sponsors.
3: get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Learning the benefits of proper nutrition, supplementation, and personal development to live a healthy and abundant life. Awaken, adjust, and aspire. High on healthy. Mondays on demand. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission
0: Supercritical. Only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Today's guest, Tom Gregory, CEO of Dose Oil. Tom, so we, you know, we talked about your, your history or your, your transition into cannabis, talked a little bit about the, the technology that you guys are doing to create the uh, highly demanded dose oil products. Um, and, you know, you've got the, 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 the tanker, as you call it, as your, your, your best-selling product. Um, besides oils, just give me a quick overview. What are the other types of, uh, of products that you sell?
2: Okay, we also make a capsule. We have a very nice formula. We have two formulas. Dose up and dose down. So, dose up is more of a sativa THC. It's kind of like you want to vacuum the house twice. Uh, The the, the music's really good. It's a real upper kind of, you know, uh, exhilarating kind of an effect. Dose down, we not only add a, a very interesting ratio of CBD to THC as far as the cannabis portion, but we also have melatonin and valerian root. And this is a very effective sleep aid that uh, people should be using and people do use, particularly in contrast to the Ambient Nation, which is a narcotic that knocks down your your system and you feel groggy the next day. So that's a super successful product. So we have a capsule line. We take the oil from the uh, Apex machines and do our winterization process, and then we turn it into a powder so that we can load capsules that don't leak, because you don't leak mm. with little capsules you are pain the neck. yeah yeah. in the future markets in my expansion markets i'm going to be using a soft gel line same product but it'll be on soft gels so that's capsule we also have uh topical lotions we have two formulas one's for more of a pain where we have a higher cbd ratio like a five to one this is for arthritic pain and these are topicals so you're no psychosomatic effects very successful product people write into us all the time with Amazing stories about well, I this one woman was mauled by a Grizzly Bear in Montana 25 years ago. She's tried everything, multiple surgeries. When she got our cream, she was just shocked at how well it worked. And that's oh, pretty wow. amazing kind of a story. Yeah, that's incredible. So then we have the topicals, and we also have uh, something called Moon Rocks, which is a back to more, in quotes, the kids' product. We take a butt of uh, marijuana, you know, cannabis, correct word. We take a bud, we soak it in our CO two oils, and then we roll it in space dust, which is Keith, And we put that into a jar uh, that we sell it. You know, it's like a forty five fifty percent THC at the stores. People love it. We had a uh, ornamental one for Christmas. That was a, a big a plastic ball with the moon rocks in it, with a big ribbon and a free dose uh, label, and I can see we <laughs> sold a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. in Washington, in 17.
1: Right, right. It's obviously, obviously a recreational product. So you know, right. let's talk about the the kind of the transition. So you know, Washington being you know one of the one of the two first states to to you know embrace recreational or adult use marijuana. Um, implemented 1400 license, as you said, for growers. And, and, you know, now we're seeing prices fall. There's an article that came out about Oregon recently, uh, just last week, I think it was, they're selling, you know, plant material, uh, maybe not the best quality, but they're selling plant material for $50 a pound uh, to processors like yourself. Are you seeing similar price depression in Washington?
2: Yeah, we've seen, uh, we've been buying some stuff out there in that range, 30, 50, it depends on the material. And also sometimes a little higher, but it's definitely a, you know a reduction in price. But i kind of like to you know, maybe set the stage a little bit. We, interestingly enough, my hometown is Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is the home of R.J. Reynolds. And I went to R.J. Reynolds High School. You know what they get for tobacco, which is grown in small farms in the Carolinas? They get about $6 a pound. Okay. You know what they get for hops in the state of Washington, which is a very similar plant? The beer guys lose their minds if they pay $14 a pound. Right. So, so when you start talking cannabis at 2500 a pound, it's almost uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. The reason is the higher prices is when you sell flour in this state, not only does it have to be a good flour, but it physically has to look good to be able to sell through the shelf. So that requires a lot of labor and hand-holding, a very you know, uh, labor-intensive process to produce that kind of product. But in the future, with concentrates and extractions, you're going to be growing this stuff like you grow hemp or you grow corn or you grow potatoes or you grow tobacco, very large quantities, and you don't worry about the prettiness. You just grow it, machine harvest it, send it into the processor.
1: That's the right. way the future will work. Right, right. So, you know, and it came quick though, but, you know, I remember it was probably just three years ago, you know, when, when you know, 1000 or $1,500 a, a pound was was pretty common for that pretty looking stuff. But you know, uh-huh. if we talk in the terms of of, of you know material or, or extracted products, you know a lot of people refer to it as grams. You know, gram when when you know three years ago, gram would be fifty sixty bucks, um, you know, and that's secondary processing and packaged. What are you seeing for price per gram nowadays?
2: Well, this state has a almost fifty percent tax rate. That's one of the issues we have in Washington. When we sell a product, for instance, wholesale ten dollars to a retail five hundred two store, he he sells it for roughly thirty to $40. So in other words, $10 went to the processor, $10 went to the tax man, and $10 went to the store. So there's a distortion in this Washington market with that kind of a tax structure in place. So when you say dollars per gram, you have to kind of be a little realizing what's happening as far as on the on the retail shelf. right. So right high-end products command more money, but that's a smaller percentage of the market.
1: Right, right. So so how are, how are you guys, you know, managing through this, this you know, rapid commoditization and, and still maintaining well, profitability?
2: Well, we like it because our sales are growing at 20% a month and we're not <laughs> reducing prices because we make a very good product. So now this is the power of having sophisticated factories. You're looking at it, business 101. Know what you're doing business. you talk to Dose Oil on Monday, you get your products quick, like in the next two days. Because uh, we're professional business people with long years of experience in other industries. So that's one aspect. Number two is that it requires sophistication as you scale this product. And so that's where the, separating the cream from the uh, milk as you go forward. So brands become more important because they're consistent. I mean, when you buy a Coca-Cola, it's the same wherever you buy it. And that's the what the goal of a company like a DOS, and we need the backup of sophisticated equipment to make that happen, which is where Apex comes in.
1: Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, for the, uh, thanks for the plug there. So, you know, you're 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 in Seattle. We talked a lot about Washington. Is Dose uh, making the play either you know other states or internationally?
2: Yes, we're going to be entering Canada. I have active, very active discussions, and we're close to some announcements as far as entering the country of Canada which we're very intrigued about because not only is there a l- large opportunity within the, the country, that you can move across the country because it's federally legal, but number two is just an export ability, to export around the world, which is what's happening. And there's nothing more ideal is to grow 100 pounds of cannabis and turn it into 10 pounds of concentrates and ship that air cargo around the world. So that's what we're planning on doing. So Canada is a very attractive next market, plus our home state of Florida which is still about a year or two out with the way they do it there, but we'll be in Florida a very big way also in some okay. future days.
1: So it's a dose, uh, dose oil and world world domination uh, coming up soon. We'll have sure. to we we'll have to make sure we do an interview in another uh, two to three years and and you know see what's different today. Per it won't be that time. long,
2: Andy. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. You're right. Maybe we have to do it a year, maybe a year and a half. How about November? Things are moving so to fast. Where we, when we go when we have a public cup, we want to invite you to the ceremony. Hey, I, that's I'm there. I'm there. So, all right, so Tom, you know, great talking to you. It looks like we're out of time. If somebody wanted to get dose oil products or or contact uh, contact you at dose, how might they go about doing that?
2: Just go to doseoil.com. We have all the contact information there, and uh, we love you. Anybody's in the state of Washington, stop by one of our fine retailers and and get some superior products. That's uh,
1: that's great. So, uh, so dose d o s e oil.com. Tom, right. thanks again for being on the show. I thanks Appreciate so it. Yep. And uh, so look look for other mission supercritical shows to learn more about Apex Supercriticals more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. Hope you can join us and until then, Tom, happy extracting.
3: The opinions expressed on this cannabisradio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of cannabisradio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution
1: without proper consent of cannabisradio.com is prohibited.